And all creation holds its breath Waiting now to see the bridegroom Wondering how the bride will dress When she wears white And she knows that she's undeserving She bears the shame of history But this worn and weary not the bride that he sees She wears white head to toe But only he could make it so When someone dries your tears When someone wins your heart And says you're beautiful When you don't know Today, she stands before him and she wears his righteousness. She will be who he adores. This is what he made her for. When someone dries your tears, when someone your heart and says you're beautiful when you don't know you are when all you belong to see was written on his face when love has come and finally set you free in the hand that bears the only scars and heaven touch her face in the last year your heart and says you're beautiful 
Good morning. Oh, that sounded like nobody had coffee. Good morning. Oh, that's better. That makes me happy. Glad to see you guys here. I've been waiting for you all week. I'm excited that you're here today. We are going to have an announcement from the board this morning. So Jane King is on our board. She's coming up now, and she's going to give us an update. So I'm going to hand my mic to her. Everybody, <laughs> I feel like I've got the sun shining on me here. Thank you all for coming this morning. I just wanted to give a quick uh, little review from the board. Um, we had our um, candidate vote last week for pastoral candidate, and we didn't quite make enough um, votes to get our percentage that's required, 66%. We were a bit shy of that. So we are um, kind of regrouping now and um, going to see what God has for us moving forward. And we want you to all hang in there with us and, and we really um, seek your prayers and your engagement. We'd really encourage any kind of input any of you have um, for just things that you'd like us to know as we move forward with the pastoral search. We care very much about all of you and what you think and want. And uh, there's um, four board members that you can talk to at any time, Pastor Tim, Lori. Uh, if you have any questions, um, please reach out to us. And we thank you all again for being here this morning. Thank you, Jane. Well, let's all stand, and we're going to begin our morning, but first things first, we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come in even more than he's already here. So would you guys pray with me this morning? Father, we just thank you for your presence. We thank you for waking us all up this morning. We thank you for preparing the day ahead of us. And Lord, thank you for waiting here until the doors were open. 
Father, I pray that your spirit will come into this place this morning, even more than you already are. I pray that you will be loosed here, that we will not tie you up because of where we're at or what our minds are focused on, any distractions. Lord, would you just help to remove those distractions so we can focus on you and give you our hearts and our minds and just give you our worship this morning. We love you, and we just ask you to take it over. We need you here, and we want you here. And all God's people said, amen. Let's worship. There's revival, and it's spreading like a wildfire in my heart. Sunday morning, hallelujah, and it's lasting all week long.
Well, we are glad you guys were here this morning. That's for sure. Just a couple things we want to make sure you guys are aware of. To update you a little bit, we've got this week, this week, Wednesday night, 6.30. What is it? Prayer meeting. Yes, it is. It's awesome. And you know what? I was studying this morning, and uh, God, I was talking with Tracy, actually, this week, and we were talking about, you know, how you have New Year's resolutions and things. Well, I don't do those, because I'm not going to tell you why, but I don't. (laughs) They're usually not too good. They don't turn out too good for me. So, Tracy does this thing where she has, she, she gets a word that she prays about, and um, then that's kind of her word for the whole year. And I started praying about it. And I said, Lord, I want a word. I want you to give me a word. So he did. He gave me two. And um, I was really excited about it. But one of them is dwell. Dwell. And the Greek meaning of dwell means to make at home. And I want him to dwell and feel at home in me. But I also want him to dwell and feel at home here in our church. So on Wednesday nights, we're going to pray that he is dwelling here. And we have been praying that, but we want you to come. We want you to be there. I also want you to feel free to fill out those prayer cards on your seat. If you have a praise, we want to hear about it. Even if we haven't prayed for that praise, we're going to praise with you. So if there's something that happened that God did, we want to praise with you. But we also want to make sure that we're praying and covering you guys in prayer. So please feel free to fill those out. You can put them in the offering plates or you can give them to me after the service, or you can drop them in the offering box outside the door. So we want to make, want to make sure you guys are aware of that. And on January 28th, guess what's happening? Movie night. Movie night. Yes. Good, Julie. You still have my thunder. No. <laughs> yeah, we're going to do movie night, and we're going to start The Chosen 2. And it is so good. It's so, so, so good. So please come. If you haven't seen Chosen One, it's okay. Just come. We want to fellowship with you, and we want to spend time with you, but we also want to enjoy and grow together. So January 28th, 6.30, put it on your calendars. I gave you lots of notice, so we want to see you there, okay? All right. So let's continue to worship. Let's go ahead and stand. Gonna get your blood pumping this morning.
yes you are, yes you are, yes you are. If you are good all the time, all the time, you are good, you are good all the time, all the time, you are good, you are good all the time, all the time, you are good, you are good. My heart, O oh God, is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. Awake, my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the down. I will praise you, Lord, among the nations, and I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O oh God, 
above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. His love endures forever. For he is good, he is above all things. His love endures forever. Sing praise. Sing praise. With a mighty hand and outstretched arm, his love endures forever. For the life that's been reborn, his love endures forever. Sing
Isn't that comforting to know? He's with us forever. Oh, I got to read you guys a scripture. So listen to this. This comes out of 2 Kings. And uh, you're getting ready for a battle. It says, when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the entire city. Oh, no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet said. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked around and saw the hills full of horses, full of chariots of fire, and they were all around Elisha. As the enemy came down towards them, Elisha prayed to the Lord, Strike this army with blindness. So he struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. Elisha told them, this is not the road and this is not the city. Follow me and I will lead you to the man you're looking for. And he led them to Samaria. After they entered the city, Elisha said, Lord, open their eyes of these men so they can see. And the Lord opened their eyes and they looked around and they were inside Samaria. Pretty amazing. We don't know what's going on around us. We don't know what's happening And it looks overwhelming sometimes or hopeless. But we have a God that only knows hope. We have a God that has everything under control. Nothing surprises him. And he knows exactly what he's going to do next. So if we pray for God to show us just his sovereignty, we don't need to worry about what's around us. Right? We just need him. And that's what we really try to constantly do is just pray that for everyone. So this morning, we want to remind you of that. These things happened in the word. These aren't just fairy tales or stories. This is what he did. It's amazing to me. It blows my mind. I want to go, when I get to heaven, I want to go into the DVD room and replay some of these so I can see them. Because I really want to see what happened. Parting of the Red Sea this one for sure. I'm I'm making a list. I've already started sharing it with him because it's just amazing to me. But we have miracles going on around us all the time. And we're in the middle of a battle. And when we are in the middle of the battle, he's still in control. So it's good for us to always remember that. And 
This is how I fight my battles And this is how I fight my battles This is how I fight my battles This is how I fight my battles But I'm surrounded by you It may look like I'm surrounded But I'm surrounded by you It may look like I'm surrounded But I'm surrounded by you It may look like I'm surrounded But I'm surrounded by you This is how I fight my battles This is how we're going to fight, Lord this is how I fight my battles. We're gonna believe you, Jesus. This is how I fight my battles. And this is how I fight my battles.
showing yourself to us. Lord, we don't have to do this life without you. And I don't want to. Lord, we need you here. We need you more than we want to admit. And we get in your way sometimes. But Lord, would you just help us set ourselves aside this morning? Help us to soak you up. Dwell in this place. Be at home here, Holy Spirit, because we need you, and we know you're working, and we know you have a plan, so we're going to believe for what we don't see until you open our eyes. Father, you are the Alpha church. <laughs> it's not often that I preach while they're taking the offering. But man, what an opportunity. I should have come with a stewardship message for this morning to do that. I'm glad to see you today. 
Most of you know that if you were here last Sunday, that I started a four-part series on things that we have a tendency to give God credit for saying that he didn't say. And uh, if you missed last week, last week we talked about the fact that a lot of people believe that God wants us happy. Well, God didn't actually say that. He wants us blessed. And I know it's splitting hairs perhaps, but there is a difference. And next week, we're going to deal with the belief that it doesn't matter what you do as long as you don't hurt anyone. God didn't say that. And then in the fourth week, uh, perhaps the most insidious of things is the fact that a lot of people say, well, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. God didn't say that either. Now, Last Sunday, when I started this series, I was really under the impression that I was circling the field. And I had four weeks, and I was going to bring this thing in for a landing, and we would have a new pastor here then. And I was just kind of giddy about the fact that maybe I'm on the... <laughs> I'm on the Swan song, you know. But little did I realize that uh, what I had planned to preach on today might be as um, necessary. Because what I want to share with you today is what I think is one of the biggest misconceptions about God and His Word. And here's the context. Chances are pretty good that you're either about to go into a difficult season in your life or you're in the middle of a difficult season now or you're just coming out of a difficult season. No show of hands needed, but how many of you in your heart would say that kind of seems pretty close to the truth of where I am right now? Because it feels like every time you turn around, either for you or for someone you love, life can get kind of complicated rather quickly. And whenever that happens, it's amazing how fast, when there's, there's more that we can handle, and we start thinking, I, I, I don't think I can do this. And some of you are going through that now. You're going through a lot, or someone you love is going through a lot. And when that happens, listen, it never fails. It never fails. Along comes someone, a well-meaning Christian, with some of that annoying Christian advice. Oh, don't worry. God never closes a door, but what? He opens a window. Oh, let me tell you something. I've been in some rooms without doors or windows. Or there's someone who says, well, just always remember, God helps those who help themselves. God didn't say that. <laughs> God didn't even think that. 
The one I want us to consider today is, don't worry, God will never give you more than you can handle. And it always seems about the time I tell God, hey, God, I'm at my limit. I can't take any more. And it always seems about that time God comes along and says, oh, I think you can. God never said that He would never give you more than you can handle. So let me split some hairs again this morning. Here's where the problem comes in. That statement, I believe, comes from a misunderstanding of a very powerful verse in 1 Corinthians 10.13. And there Paul is talking to the Corinthians, but he's talking to them about temptation. And here's what he said. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Scripture never says that God will not let you endure more than you can handle. But it does say that He won't let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. In fact, if you take a look through the Bible, you'll see story after story of people who had more than they could handle. There's Gideon. Let me just stop a minute. Are you with me this morning? Are you here? Okay, I just want to make sure you are. There's Gideon who said, I'm the weakest in my clan. I'm the least in my family. God, I don't have what it takes to do what you want me to do. Or there's Moses who said, now, God, I'm, I'm slow of speech. I, I have this stuttering problem. I'm not a good speaker. I'm not a good leader. These people are wearing me out. I can't do this. I, I don't have what it takes. And there's Esther who said, I'm very, very afraid. And there's King David, when the weight of his sin caught up with him, he said in Psalm 38, My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. I can't take it all. I'm exhausted. I'm crushed. Listen to his words. He said, My groans come from an anguished heart. I don't have what it takes to handle this. And even Jesus In Mark's Gospel, chapter 14, when Jesus is looking ahead to what He would endure on the cross, Mark says that Jesus began to be deeply distressed, troubled. You know what that is in my mind? That's anxiety. And why wouldn't He have that? Jesus said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Scripture said he had sweat great drops of blood. He says, physically, my soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. So God never said he wouldn't give you more than you can handle. Those of you who are under the weight and pressure in your life right now, and you feel like you don't have what it takes, let me just 
show you two reasons why God will occasionally allow you to have more than you think you can handle. The first response I would share would be because I believe there are times that he wants each of us to depend upon his presence. How many of you have noticed that when things start going really well in your life, it's actually easy to begin to forget God. That He has a role to play. That He is in that with you. When life's going the way we want it to go, or the way we like it, it's easy to just kind of step back from who He is. Yeah, God, I know You're still there somewhere, and I know that I sort of need You, but right now, not so much. Because everything is working great, and I hope You keep it working great, because I really like the way it feels right now. And you just don't feel that urgent need for God when things are going well. What is it about our human nature or our spiritual journey that allows us to have those two sides of every situation? Because when things start falling apart, then we start remembering God. Because it's, oh God, I need you. And God, I need you now. And it's amazing how when life gets difficult, suddenly we're drawn back to Him. I was watching something on TV this week, and I can't even remember what it was, but they brought up the 9-11 attack in New York City and the trade centers collapsing. And it brought my mind, made me remember that day. It seems like it was a Monday. Maybe it was a Tuesday, but it seems like it was a Monday. And I saw that on the early morning TV, that those buildings had been hit. And that next Sunday, my church attendance was measurably greater. And in a building that seats 3,000 people, for it to be measurably larger in attendance, that's a lot of people. We had Sunday evening service in those days still. And that Sunday afternoon, a TV reporter from Denver had called and asked if they could interview me. And I asked them to meet me that night at church. And after the service was over, I sat back under our balcony with that reporter and a cameraman. And she asked me about the impact that this event might have on church. And was my attendance greater that morning? And I said, oh yeah, it was greater this morning. But I said, in two weeks from now, it will be exactly the same as it was a week ago. Because you see, when we feel concerned, or the weight is heavy, we start looking for God. And we'll even find a church. But once the situation, the drama, the tragedy passes, then it's all okay again. You can see the reality of it in the 
Old Testament story of Jonah. And I love that story. God said to him, I want you to go preach to the Ninevites. And Jonah was like, no thanks. I'm not going to do that. Ask me to do something else, but I'm not going to do that. So he started to rebel, much like what some of us do in our relationship with God. And then through an odd series of events, and I mean they were really odd, He was thrown off of the boat he was on into the water. A giant fish swallows him. And we pick up the story of Jonah in chapter 2, verse 2. And here's what Jonah said from the belly of the fish. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. And He answered. Do you ever read that and notice that Jonah does not say, in my success, I called upon the Lord. No, it's in my distress. And it is amazing, yet not all that surprising, how much more we crave God and we need God during our our distress and we overlook Him during our success. In my distress. I call on the Lord. Here's the challenge that a lot of us face. We get in the middle of the storm and then we start to wonder about God. If God were with me, this wouldn't be happening. If God loved me, this wouldn't be... I don't understand why God is allowing this. I prayed for one thing, I'm getting the opposite. So God must must not be with me. If God were good, this wouldn't happen. If God were powerful, this wouldn't be happening. I don't believe God even cares for me. Listen. Don't ever let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Because... He says, he actually says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Why would God allow you to experience more than you can handle? Sometimes because it teaches us to depend on Him. To to draw us to call upon Him in my distress. I remember the Lord and I call on Him. David said this about calling on God in Psalm 145. The Lord is near to all who call on Him, to those who call on Him in truth. You see, the Bible says when you draw near to Him, He draws near to you. So never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. More than once in my life, I've gotten to the place where I had nowhere else to turn but to Him. Life can be like that. And it seems to me that we're sort of like that as a church right now. Aren't we? I realize I'm just the guy that preaches here on Sunday. I I have influence by doing this, but I don't have any Authority. The process of calling a pastor can be nerve-wracking and frustrating. Especially when denominations, which we are one, have procedures that we struggle with. And sometimes our votes 
aren't really against the candidate, but against a process. And I haven't seen ballots. I don't know. But that frustration still hovers over. Listen, I could care less how you voted last Sunday because we were all just expressing our opinions. And what a great thing it is that we have the opportunity to do that rather than having a district superintendent that comes in, as in some churches or some denominations, and just appoints the next pastor and says, this is him. Get used to it. But in our church, the process that we went through, that process doesn't change. The board takes the survey that we all filled out. And they meet with the district superintendent and they search for a candidate that seems closest to matching the things that we put on those surveys. The district superintendent then assembles some names of people that might, because our district superintendents know everybody. And he pulls some names together and he vets those names. And then he brings a number of those to your church board and they study the resumes of those candidates and they listen to sermons of those candidates and they have Skype meetings with those candidates. And when they find one that they think might fit, they present to the congregation the person they think comes closest to meeting the qualifications that meet our wishes. And then they bring that candidate in so that we can vote as a congregation. And that's a... Admittedly, it is hard for us as a congregation to get a feel for a person or a family in just a couple of days. But no matter how much time a congregation might spend in the process, can I... Well, no, I won't ask permission. I'll just use the word... Even with all of that, it is still a crapshoot when you call a pastor. Because it's, it's like Forrest Gump. You never know what you're going to get. And we as a congregation are dying for a leader. The board is doing a fine job of dealing with policy and administration. But we need a leader. And it's not me. I'm an old man. I won't draw young families. Because I'm an old guy. Can I tell you, when I went to my first church as a senior pastor, I had been an associate for four years And I was 26 years old. And I stepped into a church about the size of this one. And I'm 26 years old. And suddenly, I'm the pastor. Do you think that's not overwhelming? You're as green as a gourd. But you've watched others. I had never attended a board meeting of a church until I went to my first one as a senior pastor and had to conduct the board meeting. Boy, that was fun. 
I think many of you are like me and we're just saying, God, you've got to help us. Because if you don't, we're in a world hurt. But this moment of uncertainty in our church today feels like a setback to some. Who was it that said a, a setback is a setup for a comeback? A setback is a setup for a comeback. Here's the guy who has no authority. Who is saying to you as a church, folks, let's surrender our little kingdoms and our turf here at the church and let's just find ways to love each other, care about one another, serve one another instead of boss one another. Listen, I know you can experience God on the mountaintop. I've been there. But the closer experiences, and perhaps even for the life of this church, those have often come in the valley. Times when I've been most aware of Him. And these are days in the life of our church when we need to be most involved in seeking the presence of the Lord, perhaps more than seeking the employment of a new pastor. But we need to do that both here at the church and in our homes and in our lives. I got to find him. I don't have to find a pastor. I've got to find him. I spoke at a funeral several weeks ago in Wichita and I was reminded of the 23rd Psalm where it says, King James Version, for my friend who likes the King James Version with the red letter edition and the extra large type. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me. You are with me. I don't know who needs this this morning. But you're hurting right now. It may have nothing to do with the church. But you're not alone. Never let the presence of the storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. And the second reason why God might allow you to experience more than you think you can handle is to teach you to experience His power. Because you see, too many of us are doing life and we're doing church on our own. And we're trying to do it in our own strength. I can do this. I can handle that. Let me be in charge. And the reason you hang on with your strength is because you've been programmed to believe the lie that God will never give you more than you can handle. If He won't give you more than you can handle, then you have to hold on. And you have to have the strength. And you have to have the power. But that's just not true. Because you were not created to have all the power and do it yourself. You were created to need God, to be desperate for Him. 
When you recognize that He didn't expect you to handle everything, that's when you begin to experience His power. The Apostle Paul lived like this. In 2 Corinthians 12, 7, he talked about a thorn in his flesh. Something that plagued his life. And he wanted it to go away. And we wonder what the thorn was. But the Word never tells us what this was. Though there's all kinds of speculation. But he pleaded with God three different times to take it away. And what that means is, there were three significant seasons of seeking and begging and pleading and probably fasting and maybe having churches pray for Him. It was an ongoing process. God, please, take it away. And if anyone was going to be healed, you would think it would be Paul. I mean, Paul would be a pretty good candidate if there's any scale of merit. I mean, Paul probably had faith for it. But if you walk with God long enough in this sin-filled world, you're going to find your own thorn that just doesn't go away. And you're going to ask God, why don't you just take this? Can't you just help my depression go away? Can't you heal my child? Can't you fix my marriage? God, won't you turn my teenager back to you? God, won't you help me with one month when I'm not behind financially? God, can't you just do this one thing? And you know He can. He is all-powerful. But He doesn't. And you think, why would God allow me to have more than I can handle? And that's exactly where Paul was. And God spoke to Paul and said something that is so powerful. When when Paul said, God, why didn't you do this? God said, because my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in your weakness. In other words, hey, I'm weak here. And Paul started saying, then if that's the case, Lord, then I want to boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. And Paul says that is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, I delight in insults, I delight in hardships. What had he experienced? I mean, Paul. He'd been beaten. He'd been whipped. He'd been imprisoned. He'd been shipwrecked. He'd been left for dead. He'd been snake bit. And he says, I delight in all these hardships. I delight in persecution. When there is spiritual opposition against me, I delight in these difficulties. Why? For when I am weak, then I am strong. So he says, I'm delighting in the hard stuff because when I don't have what it takes, I tap into a power that goes beyond my human ability to understand. I have a supernatural power of God. I don't have the same, I have the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwelling within me. For when I am weak, 
then I am strong. He's saying, I'm sailing now and not rowing. Because you see, some of us are rowing right now. You get in the boat and you're going to row. God won't give me more than I can handle, so I've got to get there on myself, by myself. And you can do that for a while until one day you just can't row anymore. And folks, that's when you put up the sail and you let the wind of the Spirit begin to move and to bring movement. Because instead of trying to do it myself, I serve a God that gets it done through me. For when I am weak, then He is strong. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to Him belong. They are weak, but He is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. I don't know who's hurting today or what it's about. But I just want your understanding lifted. And that you can realize and experience this power more real right now because you are weak. He is strong. You're holding on to that issue and maybe it's the church or something about the church, but you're holding on to it because you think you're supposed to hold on to it. But it's not yours. You were created to need Him. He will allow more to come into your life than you can handle. But instead of saying, I have to be strong, maybe it's time to say, I am weak. I am broken. I have to depend on Him. I can't get it all done by myself. I was not created to do it myself. For when I am weak, then His strength is made perfect through me. I don't know who it is that feels this right now. But there's something you wish that God would do to change it. And He hasn't changed it. And you're asking why and you don't understand. Listen, I'm there. And I'm going to tell you one possibility. It's because when you delight in your weaknesses, His strength is made perfect. Somebody here today needs to put down the oars and stop rowing and start sailing. For He says, my grace is sufficient for you. God says, because my power is made perfect, perfect in weakness. Why would God allow you to have more than you can handle 
Maybe it's because he wants to draw you close. To reveal his presence to you. And maybe he wants to give you his power. Because it's made perfect. In our weakness. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we're just a group of people who meet in a gymnasium to worship you. And every time we come in here, Father, we bring those weaknesses. But we still strive to believe that we can handle it on our own. Every time we walk in here, Father, we bring our own baggage, our own personalities, and sometimes those things cause us to even be at odds with one another. But Father, today, I ask your Holy Spirit to settle down upon us in some unusual way as we seek your presence And your power. And as we admit to you. That we have been far too eager to accomplish everything on our own. Father may we find ways. To surrender those things to you. As we seek your presence. And admit our weakness. And as we call upon you. Your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed. I trust you. There is a sweet sense of his presence in this place this morning that I don't want us to lose. Or leave. Would you sing it with me? Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. I don't want you to go out of here today feeling defeated or beat up. I want you to go from here today feeling encouraged and knowing that even when you're in the midst of that session, when you feel like God has given you more than you can handle, That there is a reason. 
that he's trying to draw you nearer to him. And he's trying to take your weakness and express his strength through you. You see, when we sing, Jesus loves me, we could also sing, and it's corny, I know, but we could also sing that Jesus loves this church because he does. And if we will allow him into the middle of our weakness, His strength will shine through. So can I encourage you again today, put down the oars. Quit trying to do it on your own. Just put up the sail. And for a couple of weeks, I'm asking you, stop doing it. Put down the oars. Put up the sails. And let the presence of the Lord push us rather than each of us trying to drive this truck. Do you hear me? Do you understand? Just relax. Just relax in His presence and let Him address you. And let Him lead you. And stop. Stop. Relax. And put up the sail. Heavenly Father, I pray for my friends here today. Each of us have our own individual issues where we wonder if you've given us more than we can handle. And maybe as a church... Perhaps as it probably is a church. Some of us are wondering the same thing about this. But Father, in the name of Jesus this morning, I ask you to give us enough self-discipline for the next couple of weeks at least to just sit back in the boat and let you drive it. Believing that there's nothing we have to accomplish today or tomorrow or the next day or the next week that you can't take care of for us. So Father, if there's a way that we can take hands off today, we take our hands off. We ask for your presence and your power to reside within each of us and within this church. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me, please? Now, 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 now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May He make His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And give you what? Peace. God bless you. You are dismissed. Get in the sailboat and go.